words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus beyond that. I don't remember if I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the, Christ, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the Lord. A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord, by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Even among the earliest Christians, there were divisions, deep, broken separations within communities, households, and houses of worship. Individuals were idolized, Personal thoughts were deemed most important, and rather than point to Christ, Christians chose to argue with each other. There was dissent. There was brokenness. There was a loss of priority and focus. Arguing about stairways became the reason to join the Wednesday night crew. Arguing about pennies was the purpose for attending the budget committee. And all that came was broken relationship, discouraged worshipers, and a lack of truth. Like that telephone game, everything got blown out of proportion. Guppies become bass. Accidents become intentional and Christ becomes forgotten. It's unfortunately not something the church has all too well grown out of, sadly. After Julius Caesar had rebuilt the city of Corinth, 
it grew to become a prominent city, a Roman city it gleamed with a multicultural flair. It was mostly Roman, but there were a number of Greeks, free men, slaves, Jews, merchants, and sailors. The city of Corinth was known for being wealthy and prosperous. It was known for its pottery and for its brass, for athletic games and its temples. It was no Athens in intellect, but the city of Corinth exuded culture and class. And while most churches express the society in which they exist, the goal is not to be of the same character as the world they reside. The church of Corinth struggled with this. Much of the church's problems came because the church acted like its city which could be described as grossly sinful. Immorality and idolatry ran a strong race through the streets of Corinth. Now, having a strong connection to Corinth, even when ministering elsewhere, Paul, he became burdened by the news that he had received from members of the church. The church had questioned many things, the Christian view of marriage, and they had asked, could meat sacrificed to idols still be eaten? And what should the women wear? And how do we observe the Lord's Supper? Do spiritual gifts really exist, and are they that important? And what about that resurrection of the dead? Many, many deep and important theological questions were being raised. Many were concerned that it be done correctly. But then there was also news that the church had developed many splits. The congregation at Corinth was divided into groups. Some of the church members claimed to follow Paul. Others, Apollos, some Cephas, and still others claimed Christ. Interesting, Paul, as he was talking about those divisions, he was clear that those who said, well, I claim Christ, were just as misguided as those who claimed I follow Paul. What I mean is all claiming to follow someone were doing it just to set themselves apart from another group. Those claiming Paul were trying to prove that somehow their faith and their ministry was better. Those saying, yeah, well, I follow Christ, were too saying this only to appear more holy and more right. In the end, it was all foolishness. It would be as foolish as if this side of the room, the left-hand side here, if you all stood up flying the flag that read, I follow Reverend Tina. As foolish as if this side of the room then stood up with your flag and it said, I follow Joel. And then still the choir not to be outbeat, 
foolishly stands up with a flag that reads, I follow Gary. <laughs> Notice you're the only one that got the laugh. <laughs> All of that is foolishness. But I still feel I have to say, if any one of you has a little flag hidden in your pocket with your alliance, that name on it whom you think you follow, I say, fool, pray, for you are misguided. Church, you gather here today to worship the living God, who is Christ Jesus. You all, like those Paul spoke to in Corinth, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are unified under that headship. Baptized and unified under the headship of Christ Jesus. So why not act like it? Today you had a meeting. A simple annual <coughs> congregational meeting. Now I believe you prayed or I pray that you prayed for that work. And you should have prayed I pray for those called to serve as elders and deacons. And I'm sure that you prayed, I pray, for the pastor for whom God has called to this church. Church, do not be like that worshiping body of Corinth, picking, choosing sides. The work of this church, the work of God's church, is not based on what you desire, what makes you comfortable, whether you were consulted or if you yourself would have put those gray cabinets in your kitchen. The work of the church is being united in the truth and the knowledge that together Baptized under the headship of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ can therefore be shared. Lives can be changed, miracles can be witnessed, and salvation can be assured. To intentionally create dissension is rebellion, and it has no place in the church. It burdens the heart, it frustrates the hearer, and it leads to great harm. You find yourself gossiping, and then lying to cover your guilt, followed by rationalizing your actions to account for your shame. And for what? John MacArthur, a writer and a preacher, has said this about strife in the local church. Listen very carefully. Quote, Strife brings fractured fellowship into the church of Jesus Christ, which robs Christians of joy and effectiveness. It robs God of glory, and it robs the world of the true testimony of the gospel, a high price for an ego trip. End quote. 
Let me read that again. Strife brings fractured fellowship into the church of Jesus Christ, which robs Christians of joy and effectiveness. It robs God of glory, and it robs the world of the true testimony of the gospel, a high price to pay for an ego trip. And sit with this question for a minute. Ask yourself, when I am discussing, arguing, with people about the church, am I not in fact putting my trust in my own words? Am I not just looking for my own little victory? Church, do not permit yourself to become a church of Corinth. Do not actively seek to rob the world of an authentic testimony of Jesus Christ. Do not be the person who discourages and demoralizes and degrades the gospel. We can all proclaim faith in Christ, but everything else that you say how you treat your fellow brother and sister in Christ speaks louder. I had recently watched the movie Lord of the Flies. Many of you have probably read the book. In this book and in the movie, you find a group of young cadets, young boys, who end up finding themselves washed ashore on a deserted island following a crash. They're left alone on this island. They are uncertain when or if they will ever be found. And you find that these boys, left to themselves, fall into a pit of dissension. Rather than unite, they fight. One young man, he discovers this conch shell, and he remembers his grandmother used to blow in it, and it had a hole and it would sound. And he told his other buddy about this, and so they decided that that conch shell would be blown into whenever the group needed to come together. And whoever had the shell in their hand had the right and the privilege to speak. Now that went okay for a short period of time until others started to talk out of turn. And the one young man who seemed to have a good head on his shoulders had been saying, we need to work we don't know what's going to come, but we need to work. We need to build shelters, and we need to get fish and find food and have water. We can have fun, but we do have work to do. Well, another young man decided that was foolishness, and so he had started jibber-jabbering along on the side about why that person was wrong. And they had found out that there was a pig on the island. They had seen it, so let's be the hunters. Let's be the cooler team. Let's go out. We're going to hunt this pig. We're going to provide meat to the people. So as some are out fishing and trying to spear these fish, the others are throwing rocks into the water, disrupting that work, causing turmoil, dissension. That continued and continued until murder became the way of that island. Now, many of you will say, well, I've never murdered. But have you ever looked at somebody and thought, I hate you? 
Have you ever had an unforgiving heart? Have you ever said out loud or even thought, they shouldn't be here, they don't belong? Guilty as charged. Murder became the way. Hate enveloped the hearts. Fear was instilled into the group. Those young boys were led astray, and they all became broken. And for what? When their salvation came in the form of a military man on the island to take them home, they came upon this man in the movie form. Young boy is actually running for his life. He is the one lone person from the other group. The others have spears and blood on their cheeks with the intent and the goal to kill him. And they run out onto the beach, and there stands a man in military garb ready to take them home. And not one of them, not one, could flee from the crimes that they had committed. My friends, you, baptized in the name of Christ Jesus, the one who willingly walked to the cross, was crucified for the salvation of the world. Church, do not taint that message with division. Matthew Henry writes, agreement in the greater things should extinguish divisions about the lesser. There will be perfect union in heaven, and the nearer we approach it on earth, the nearer we come to perfection. We do not all have to like the same music. We will not all have identical dreams for the church. We may never all agree on which ministry most met our individual need. But let us agree on this that Christ first loved us, so therefore let us love one another. For the triune God is the source of our hope and our salvation. God alone shall be the focus of our faith. So church, may we therefore be united and stand in faith, hope, and love. Amen.